you guys have a good holiday? You guys finished celebrating? Oh, Finally? No, we just have a New you Year's. You got Three Kings Day coming up. I'm still recovering. Like, I'm, like, I still don't have my energy back. Like, I feel... Yeah. I, I, I go up the yeah. stairs. I'm out of breath. You might have got COVID. That's what I told him. He probably did have. But yeah. you, can, you can't be you can't be positive if you don't test. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> if I do, we think that's what it is because if the person I do, we were hanging out last week had it, and then I got sick, and then he was fine, and then he got it like three days yeah. later, and then we go around other family could, members that were like coughing, and like it was everyone was just like in a big petri dish over the weekend. Yeah. There's oh, a, yeah. this, this, it, it, it's you'll live. You'll live. Yeah. If you're out of breath walking up the stairs, definitely COVID. That's <laughs> no, but it's 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 not from like the respiratory. It's not it's not my no, breathing. No, 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 it's not COVID. That has nothing. Yeah, yeah I got yeah, tired. It's just going up the stairs. Like, Fatigue, like, yes, I, like go yes. upstairs. COVID gives you that. Yes, I've never COVID had gives that. you that. But you said I you never. had it twice, right? So this would be your third time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's crazy because, like, um, you know, I, Jen was making fun of me for wanting to go to urgent care, but I was, <laughs> I was dehydrated, so I was, you know, I, I, like, I thought so about now you know, now you got the care. real brunt of COVID, you know, like now you know, like, yeah. like man, those bitches, you know, they're just being I like, uh, for twenty four hours last but week. But it started ish. It started with a cold. The cold was. You know, your typical cold, congestion, and that's about it. A little coughing, that's it. And I shook that off. And then all of a sudden, this stomach bug just like... Yeah. It can't, I mean, me. it hits everyone a little differently. Yeah. Our son and our uh, my dad is really sick right now. I'm is that why you're messed up? Or why are you messed up, Karis? <laughs> She's about to rob a bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Need some extra cash. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, no, no. As I was saying before, she's uh, she's beautifying herself for the um, in preparations really. for the summit because <laughs> she's going to really, be our fearless but... host uh, with the mostest uh, at the at the no, summit. But okay, <laughs> we should all start beautifying ourselves. I guess. What is part of your beauty routine, Ben? Um, not sleeping, drinking, okay. eating junk food. <laughs> 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 I'm at, my whole body's in pain right now. I went I went to the gym for the first time in like two weeks, and uh, you know they they were like, "You want to do a year in weigh in?" And I was like, "No, no." <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's revisit this in a few weeks. I have a lot of holiday weight right now that I got to work on. Um, but in any case, uh, are you ready for the summit? I am. My slides are done. You're I heard done? you kind of panicked a little bit when Ro told you that I was not going to practice. Are you practicing or not practicing? I'm probably not. <laughs> I have this weird thing of like standing in a room by myself and like just talking, talking to, to yourself. Is this is this your first time on like a stage, like a big stage uh, like this? Since college, yeah. Since college, yeah. Yeah. Um, the secret, but I have is... a mindset of that. Like most of the people in a room are people that I know and that we're friends with. So uh -huh. I'm just gonna talk to them like. I talked to yeah, them on a regular basis. So. Yeah. Just say you and Ben are throwing a big party, you know? Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. What do the they always say to, to picture everyone naked? The yeah, the secret <laughs> is to imagine everyone naked or in their underwear. That's the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been exposed to the stage as a, uh, you know, since, since I was a very young boy. You know, I used to play the piano and stuff. But you, this is something new that you guys learned, right? Um, but, yeah, you've done uh, the, a million things. <laughs> out of a million things that I do, uh, hobbies that I have in my life. Um, but when you have the lights on you, you can't see the audience. That's the best part. You don't even know if you got all these eyeballs on you. It's sort of like yeah. when I'm doing my lives every Monday and I'm just talking to a camera. I don't know who's watching. You know? Yeah. So you just got to keep talking and just talk, 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 talk. So, yeah. That's so I'm going to do my best to just put bright spotlights on you so you don't see the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We got two weeks, Ben. Two weeks. What do you guys, what do you guys got planned for, uh, for the new year? No idea yet. Yeah. We, we were... Like thinking of going to a football game in DC. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. In mm. DC, yeah, the yeah. Niners versus the Commanders. But we'll I see. Don't, I don't know. We'll be I don't home. Know. What do you guys do? I know your your kids canceled your uh, Christmas plans, huh? We yeah, we they... canceled their their Christmas plans. Oh. <laughs> well, number one, <laughs> they didn't want to go. Well, number one, the kids they kind of didn't want to go. See? No, they wanted to. Aiden really wanted to go with his GoPro. Remember? Aww. But the little one didn't but, want to. The little one was scared because now he's like in the top class, top like top tier, and he's like, I don't want to go on the black diamond, and I'm so scared. 
But it all worked out because uh, I have no money, so we have we have we have it no money out. and we have we have no time. <laughs> I still haven't done my taxes. You know how I normally do my taxes during this week, right? Yeah, I haven't had the chance to do that because I've been rehearsing my ass off. And not only that, uh, I've been uh, doing a lot of admin stuff for the summit. So uh, I think if I, I, you know, I have a, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident that I can pull this off again next year. Um, oh. but Karen, I, what are your I, thoughts? Karen says no, but I think I can do it. <laughs> uh, I now have a better idea. Like this first one will determine, like seriously, yeah, yeah, what the, people, that's your that best. Uh huh. Yeah, what people's experiences and what they, whoever come, what they're gonna spread to other people, like seriously. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna determine. It's not you or me. Yeah, it's all yeah, the speakers it, who are sharing the stage with us. Those presentations. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. all the yeah afterwards the promo that's gonna go out from the experienced ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one. Gonna... No one really knows how to throw these things together. Yeah, yeah. So of course it's gonna but, stop. You know, but... it'd be, it'd yeah. be nice if there's next, next, yeah, next year. But we need to plan better and well, and don't rush. I, we just jumped into the deep end. Well, when you, when we say we, I mean I. I jumped into the deep end. Uh, but I, I, the thing is, <laughs> done, done is better than perfect. A lot of pieces are falling in together. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. in the red. This, the summit didn't, uh, break me. Um, it, it, it just took your time. It, it was just, it was a labor of love. I spent a lot of mm-hmm. time on this, but well, as long as I'm not I going think, negative. I think, yeah. Once we get the, you know, all the promo, all the BTS, everything after the summit, maybe a month, two months later, you got, you're going to start right back in if you are thinking of doing right. next one. That and then also, we were also trying to find our footing and find our wings with the podcast as well. We were trying to figure our, ourselves out as well. So we were yeah. trying two new things at the same time. So mm-hmm. it was a little overwhelming. But but I think I think we have a good system now. And I think uh, I'll, I'll know what to do for, for the next one. Anyway, yeah. you guys ready to get this podcast started? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I guess so. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Focus AF podcast. My name is Ben. I'm Karis. Ben. <laughs> and this is Ro. And we are not focused AF. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to start the new year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, speaking of the summit, uh, the lineup is all finished. It's all wrapped up. I guess this is our way to kind of segue <laughs> to introducing our guest for uh, for today's episode. This is a gentleman who's been um, uh, in our peripheral for for a long time, actually. Or as long as I've been a wedding photographer, uh, he's been in our peripheral. And you know, the, the ironic thing is uh, he hails from my old stomping grounds and I've never actually crossed paths with him until recently. <laughs> 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 so it's, it's, uh, it's very curious, but he's always, you know, he's always been in our peripheral, uh, but I'm sure you guys are huge fans of his as well. So uh, I don't know how we're going to segue into this, but uh, I want to, I want to introduce you guys <laughs> to our guest of the podcast, uh, our good friend Sam Hurd. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Hey, wow. Sam. Welcome, Sam. Welcome. Thanks for that. That's me. the way you're supposed to introduce him. Just hey, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No need to overcomplicate ever. <laughs> thanks, thanks are, we, are we talking to Sam or or the AI version of Sam? You know? <laughs> yes, I'm. I am an avatar. Yeah, you know, there's a million versions funny. of Sam. It's it's not uncommon for me to like be within a very reasonable, drivable, commutable distance to a lot of people that I've known and talked to on the through the internet for years, and like never actually meet them in person. Yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. until a decade later. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the advantages of being on the East Coast. At least it happens a little bit more often than I think uh, it otherwise would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right before the show started, I was about to tell you because you are you currently live in uh, uh, in Baltimore near the Fells Point area, right? Mm-hmm. So my family uh, for a little while in the early two thousands, we had uh, a restaurant. Uh, you guys, did you guys know this co-host that we had a restaurant? Also? No, we, we did not. Something new every episode, Ben. So anyway, we had a re- <laughs> it's, uh, well. Anyway, it was a restaurant, and the thing is, my dad uh, he wanted that was his lifelong dream. He wanted to open a restaurant. And uh, he finally got the chance to. Uh, but the thing is, his only connections to cooks were Chinese um, Chinese restaurant takeout places, right? But the thing is, he, 
what he wanted to do was open up like a luncheonette, like where you serve breakfast and stuff like that. So the menu was huge. It had like mm. eggs and bacon and scrapple and uh, a lot of Baltimore favorite stuff, right? And then also he'd ha he had cheesesteaks and also he had General Tso's <laughs> chicken and fried rice. And Whoa. <laughs> he had like the entire menu covered. Um, eventually uh, we sold it because I guess the menu got too big and we had like a million chefs in the kitchen trying to make all these different things. And uh, now it's a uh, pupuseria. Get out of oh, here. Full yeah, circle we... moment with your friends right here. Tim's <laughs> 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 like, I don't get it. What's the connection? I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the connection. He, uh, it's it's in Patterson Park. It's near. It's in the uh, Highland Town yes, area. Yes, yes. Um, right. And um, yeah, it's a pupuseria now. So yeah, uh, right. And uh, yeah, that's the connection. The, I remember one of my earliest conferences ever that I attended. I think this is like 2013. Uh, uh, somebody was giving a talk about pricing guides and just pricing yourself. And they had as an example, uh, a slide of uh, essentially a, a restaurant that had everything versus mm -hmm. a restaurant that had like very well curated, like pre-selected combinations of things for you. And it was just a, an example of how uh, you deciding certain things for your clients can can actually be a huge benefit. You don't have the decision paralysis uh, along with apparently 70 chefs in the kitchen trying to make sense of, of all that variety. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I would be very curious to see what that menu looked like. You, you uh, literally... Yeah, it was very, it was, it was very bizarre. And uh, yeah. I, you know, I didn't really run it. I was just, you know, just a, a bystander observer. It, it's a family restaurant. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but anyway. I'm not blaming you. <laughs> so I hate to lead into this, like, cliche of for those who don't really know Sam, but tell us a little bit about you for those who are just joining us and kind of new to the industry and kind of how you got into photography and that whole journey. Okay, great. Um, let's see. I got my first camera when I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. It was an old Sony and it actually took an old floppy disk. It was what? literally the one where you would insert a floppy disk and oh, get like man. three, two and a half megapixels. I remember and you, could, you could take like two, two shots per disk or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my first camera. And uh, around that same year, my best friend from growing up, and you know, we've been best friends since we were like seven years old, he also got a camera, a Sony that took mini discs. So like mini CDs that you could yeah. chuck in there. Mm -hmm. And yep, uh, yep. anyway, that was uh, sort of my start to photography. We, I grew up in a place called Lynchburg, Virginia, which is in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so we would just go on hikes and take landscape photos, basically, of like little creeks and flowers and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> over over the years, um, we kept up with photography as a hobby, but went to separate schools. And uh, to reconnect over the summer, uh, he and I did like the cliche backpacking through Europe uh, thing, uh, which was amazing. So we would take like two and a half or three weeks. We did this two summers, uh, just kind of backpacking on a shoestring budget, staying in hostels. And, and the entire focus of the trip was photography. But uh, neither of us really photographed people at all. It was very focused on just the, the scenery of mm -hmm. the places we were at and trying to cram as much as we possibly could into like that three-week type of um thing we would do like 12 cities in three weeks or something like that wow. and uh that was kind of my entire experience with photography I, I would just do sort of personal work which was a lot of macro abstract nothing photos but i you know i had somewhat of a portfolio and when i was graduating college i studied information and computer science but uh, i was looking for jobs exclusively on craigslist this was like 2008 so it was before <laughs> linkedin had really become a thing and all the other various platforms that people use now i'm sure hopefully craigslist is still a, a hub <laughs> for, for job listings i have no idea but i will i owe a lot to craigslist i think i found every place that i lived for every single year uh since i graduated college until i bought my home and uh anyway, oh, wow. including a job so I, I came across a listing uh for this place called the national press club mm. which i knew nothing about but it's this facility in downtown dc you can literally think of it as like a, a country club for professional journalists. Uh, it's been around for over a hundred years and it's a block from the White House. It's the top two floors of um, the National Press Building, which mm -hmm. uh, back when news was still in its heyday, like every paper would have a DC Bureau office and it mm -hmm. that was 
where it would be inside this building. So all the newspaper bureaus from all over the country and the world would be in this building. And the top two floors is where they would, the journalists would go to like attend a press conference, um, just grab a drink. Like literally the upstairs private bar is, uh, or members only bar has the liquor license number one when prohibition wow. was lifted. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of history there. And I showed up and I was like sitting at the, in the lobby and I asked the lady at the front desk, I was like, so is this place like a, what is this place? <laughs> I had no idea. But they had posted, um, they had posted a listing for a photographer. Uh, they wanted to be able to sell photography as an add-on service to people holding like press conference events there. And mm-hmm. I went in and interviewed and I think they realized my work was good enough that they could pay me half of what I could probably be paid doing anything else <laughs> with my actual degree. But it was still a, a salaried photography job. So yeah. I, I decided to, it was right in the heart of DC as well, which is pretty appealing being like 21. And uh, yeah. yeah, I took the job and got you know a basement apartment in the cheapest, scariest part of town that I could possibly manage. <laughs> and that's when I started photographing people. Uh, I'll accelerate the story a little bit here. Um, a couple years into working there, a coworker got engaged and she had like a $500 budget for a wedding photographer. And that was my first wedding. And ever since that first one, it's all I've ever more of was, was weddings. So uh, it, after a couple of years of kind of doing both jobs at the same time, I eventually was was traveling enough and, and overworked enough that I you know, left the press club uh, working full, no longer working full time for them and uh, doing weddings on my own so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of the the journey so far but mm-hmm. it was a great opportunity it gave me access to some of the more uh famous spaces you might see in my portfolio and stuff uh which was a great opportunity so uh, your first wedding gig was 500 oh yeah yeah i think yeah, 500, 750 <laughs> yeah 500 then 750 then 1500 then i was at 2500 for like a year something like that just to just scoop up as many as i could and then once you bumped into the 3000s, at least in my market, that was kind of a dead zone where you would still get really? a, enough work, but it was still kind of like people either had their, it was just this weird dead zone where I was out of so many people's budget for their weddings and not expensive enough for people that had a little bit more money. And so jumping up to the you know 5,000 plus range, I don't know, four or five, as sort of my baseline starting uh, made a huge difference just in terms of the level of experience that I was at and the quality of my work uh, relative to the, uh, you know, budget of most wedding clients, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does. Uh, did you ever apprentice under anyone or everything was just learning as you go? When no, you it was all learning as I go. <laughs> the mm-hmm. There was no photography department at the press club uh, when they hired me. So I literally started with my Nikon D50 and the kit lens that it came with. Oh, D50. And I had the... At the time, I thought it was frustrating, but I had the benefit of mo- most of these events at the press club were open to the public. So a lot of DC, you know, grizzled photojournalists would st- swoop in for the first 10 minutes of an event, shoot the heck out of it, and then send their images up to the wire and be on to the next thing. So I quickly learned by observation, like, oh, there are lenses that exist that you can zoom and the aperture doesn't change. And there's a prime lens where you can you know, shoot with, you know, the D... Uh, the D50 really crapped out over like ISO 600. So oh jumping God. up to, uh, you know, an, a prime lens or something with a 2.8 aperture and all this really made a, a huge difference. And it, yeah, I, I strictly learned by observation, uh, literally seeing photos from people that were standing right next to me at an event on the news that night or in papers the next day and be like, how did they get that photo? I was right next to them. I saw mm. it happening. How come theirs looks so good compared to mine? And and I would just figure that out and iterate over and over. And that was kind of my journey. And same with same with weddings. I you know kept yeah. myself kind of lower budget for a while because I didn't have any experience being around just the energy and chaos of a wedding. I just mm-hmm. was never confident until maybe fifty weddings in. You know where I really felt like I had a handle on things. Yeah, and you never like because we haven't either. We, well, he did, but did you? You never like second shot or anything like that. You just kind of just dove right in. Dove right in. I I did second shoot occasionally just with other people that uh, were a little bit more established with me, just randomly when I could. Uh, most of them were you know, people my age that had maybe a year more experience than me or something. But uh, it was never any. It was kind of all over the place. Um, yeah i think i maybe second shot a dozen times in my first three years something like that and uh yeah just kind of figured it out as i went which i I really liked because i i appreciate now not i think 
a lot of photographers approach mm. things, they overcomplicate things. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I, I kind of never had to, I just yeah, have always sort of simplified and kept things the way that I thought it should be. <laughs> uh, and wedding clients yeah. don't know any different. They are hiring you for the first time usually, and they, they don't know what's normal <laughs> or not in a lot of photos or in a lot of like full galleries. So yeah, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. I know that all of us, when we first start, there's, there's a process, there's a, there's a, there's, I guess there's an evolution in our work. There's a, there's a process that we go through to eventually find our own voice and how we perceive the world and how we capture it in a photo. Right. So you know, I, I guess at what point did you eventually, I guess, find your stride? Did you, you know, did you find your voice and like, this is, this is who I am. This is how I want to photograph. Like what yep. was, I guess, what was the catalyst for that? And, and, and how long did it take for you to, until you got to that point? Yeah. Great question. Um, I would say it kind of breaks up into different columns. So there's the finding your own voice in terms of, uh, and comfort level in terms of like your physical actual routine and, and approach on the wedding day. That took a solid three years for me to just purely feel confident and comfortable that I had seen probably every iteration of mm-hmm. uh, issue <laughs> that I was ever going to see, uh, you know, barring some random, crazy, unique thing. Like after three years, I've, I've certainly been to way more weddings than anybody else around me on that day had ever been to in their life mm-hmm. and uh, could probably solve the issue and see problems coming from a mile away compared to everybody else. So that physical sort of uh, being there in the moment, just managing people and personalities, three years was the tipping point where I was no longer nervous about like showing up for getting ready photos, but I was excited. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't at all uh, anxiety. It was just pure excitement. Uh, Photographically, like actually getting the images that I was consistently happy with, that was about five years. Uh, I knew around year three that I could at least hit a baseline where my uh, couples were going to be happy no matter what. But for me to always feel like, okay, I know I got at least a solid dozen that I could blog from this. Uh, It was about year five that was consistently the case where I didn't need four hours with the couple to do that. Like I could do it in 20 minutes if I had to, or any amount of time. Uh, and that, so that was year five. And then I would say, honestly, it was about year 10 <laughs> before my editing came around to where my, my overall sort of starting preset was super consistent. And I was always happy no matter what camera body I was using, no matter what the light was. Part of it was uh, you know, editing, the way a photo looks in editing does have a lot to do with how you light people in the source photo. And I was at the same time getting really, really consistent with that, uh, finally coming into a a series of editing uh, steps that I was just super happy with. And ever since then, it's been smooth sailing. So I could shoot a wedding with my eyes closed now. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to ask if you're like, now that you've kind of found your footing, because, you know, people always want to get better or adapt or like some creatives are never comfortable with where they're at. So you're saying right now you're, you're like very happy in the place you're in as far as your editing and your work. Totally. Uh, so don't beat yourself up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I definitely walk away from uh, shoots thinking, and this has always been an issue to be honest, thinking like, Oh, I don't know if I got anything, you know, good. Nothing, I, nothing is resonating in my head. Like, Oh, I have to look at that one. But I've, I've realized over the years, that's just how I feel sometimes after shoots. And, uh, you know, give it, give it a day or two between the the session or the wedding. And when you actually look at the photos and I yeah. always am able to go back and, oh yeah, this is actually pretty cool. I, I was trying something in the moment, I guess I thought it didn't work, but now I see it does. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm also doing things to, you know, fill in and that gap of, uh, comfort and pushing myself by, um, you know, I developed this tool called insight that, uh, literally, I can, as I'm shooting, send images off to a generative AI. And within a minute, it'll send me over text message back new new pose ideas, which nice. is a totally different creative input that uh, takes some practice and getting used to. But as I'm shooting, I can quickly glance at my watch or at my phone and when there's little downtimes throughout the session or the wedding day and get this uh, little insight into maybe a new pose that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of and making room for that um, definitely takes some practice. I don't know that I could have done it five years ago when I was still worrying about you know yeah. what ISO I was at relative to aperture and shutter speed and all that. But now that everything else is so um, you know, built up as muscle memory, uh, mm-hmm. I have this, this 
new area of headroom that I can add this this new tool and other things too. I'm sure as as time goes on. But yeah, I've uh, I've, I've taken a, a look at it through the the chat that you have on Instagram in, in regards yeah, yeah. of the app, and it's pretty pretty crazy like how it comes up with like different poses like on the like putting someone in the foreground putting someone out of focus could you talk a little bit more about like how that works like like what the algorithm does yeah 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 so it takes the it's it's highly highly tuned to work the best with uh, a couple like two people in a shot but it does analyze and uh, try and detect if it's two people or if it's one person and if it's more than two people and based on that analysis uh it basically goes through a really really um finely uh tuned uh prompt of generative ai it's it's hard to describe <laughs> but basically what it does is it takes your source photo it weights the the source image so that it's heavily influencing what the generative ai is going to do so you get a result with four different poses that has the same overall atmosphere and scene of what you're actually shooting with so uh the light and the style of the light and the directionality of the light and the quality of it is all very similar the um the bone structure and skin tone and size and shape of the subjects you're photographing, that's also very similar. It doesn't look exactly like your clients, but it's mm -hmm. similar enough that within mm -hmm. the pose idea, hopefully you could actually see uh, what is actually possible with your environment. It's sort of like the next level of what a lot of people do. And I used to do when I started of like having just a Pinterest feed mm -hmm. of poses and inspirational compositions and stuff like that. But it's, a thousand times more applicable because you're actually seeing something within this in real time atmosphere yeah. of what and, you're, you're yep. working with. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, it's basically just been a really long multi-month process of me, uh, taking a source photo, seeing what the generative AI can output and then tweaking, um, sort of the input commands so that it actually is usable and, and helpful instead of just a complete, because it's really easy to send a generative AI a source photo and then say, make this again, and it will do it. But to make it, it like you said, put people in, in different areas of the frame or emphasize different areas yeah. of focus and all that, it's a, it's a lot harder to do. So, uh, yeah, it's basically done that. And then it, there's also like a seed of randomness in it as well, where I've got basically a catalog of thousands of images. It'll just randomly blend that source photo against to get uh, just something you probably didn't anticipate in this shot. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole concept of this is not to use the generative AI for anything that anybody else is going to see. It's for you in the moment to, to look at that and say, oh, I know what to do here now. I have a new idea. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, of. right. Yeah. And it's really, it's so fun. Uh, it takes a lot of practice uh, to get used to even remembering that like, oh yeah, I forgot I could send, send this photo off. But the cool thing about it and the hard thing for me to explain, so many photographers, I think of, tried with their professional camera bodies to uh, send images like quickly to their phone or something like that uh and the vast majority of uh, photographers use like the sony app or the nikon app or the canon app to do that and they're all just terrible yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're so bad uh -huh. so uh insight actually leverages ftp which is wonderful like if you can get your camera camera connected to ftp it is literally as seamless as looking at the image on the back of your screen, hitting one button, you can get right back to shooting with no waiting. Like as it's transferring, it does it in the background. So there's no interruption or waiting for it to load and send to your, your uh, phone. It just goes over FTP in the background, which was a huge um, hurdle for me to solve in a way that uh, multiple people could use this as a service other than just me. And um, anyway, yeah. but it works great and it's super reliable as long as you have a you know, Wi-Fi or, or hotspot connection at all. Um, that that was a big part of it was like making sure it wasn't an experience like all these apps where you had to connect over Bluetooth and then sometimes you'd have to connect Bluetooth and Wi-Fi at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then you would finally get it to send and then you had to wait for it to send before you could get back to shooting. Now you're missing moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass. That's, That's what I think a lot of people think is is happening with Insight, but it's not that way. If you can set your camera up over FTP and save those settings, boom, you hotspot to your phone or, or your Wi-Fi if you have access to Wi-Fi wherever you're shooting. And uh, 
and it's just one button. Uh, and, and you can send multiple images at the same time, which is cool. It doesn't take, it takes about a minute to get the results back, but it's not like one minute per render. If you send it five back to back, you'll get those five after a minute, like back to back, uh, next to each other. So it's, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. How's the feedback you've been getting from photographers so far? Good, good. Some some weird random bugs that like you you don't would you, learn would about. Would a penguin just show up and just like you know just show, <laughs> oh, show up on I'm your not head? Even talking about those bugs, yeah. Sometimes you'll get someone's like arm growing out of their ear and weird stuff. But, <laughs> no, no. Like for example, like who would have thought? But if you have your camera shooting in Adobe RGB color space instead of sRGB yeah. color space, right? No matter what your file name is, even if you have it something custom, like in your camera, if you have it set to your initials or whatever for the filing, mm -hmm. it will append to the beginning an underscore. So if it's in Adobe RGB, it'll be underscore whatever the file name is. Oh, and shit. it's so weird because the way Insight flags whose image is being sent based on what username, it separates the file name by underscore. And so underscore is the very first thing sure. in the file name, which who would ever do that? Uh, <laughs> it confuses it and, and it would like misassign the username. Uh, so that that's the kind of like issue and bug that I've occasionally had to chase down where it's like, I don't even know why you're shooting in Adobe RGB. You should probably I be know. shooting in SFG. So, so what happens? It just doesn't process or it does something fine? Yeah, it just dead ends. Nothing happens because it can't assign the user. And so, uh, but you know, I can see all that kind of stuff in the logs and figure it out. But that was just uh, one person that had that kind of stuff. Some, um, some some random print snob. <laughs> I know. It's like, and I asked them, like, why are you shooting in Adobe RGB? Like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, no, that's for no reason. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. It's funny to learn about how many different ways people have their cameras configured, and how often there are these phantom configurations that people just have set, just because they've always had it set that way, and they don't want to change something because they don't want it to break in a way, yeah. their, their workflow or their process that they don't realize until they're looking at the photos and it's the shoot's over. So I understand yeah. that, but uh, it's so important to just read your manual. Like I remember when I switched from Nikon to Canon, so I shot Nikon DSLRs for 10 years, switched to Canon when they launched their mirrorless lineup with the EOS R. A lot of people give me crap for that because it's a single card slot, but whatever. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would fall asleep the first few nights with that camera in my hand, laying in bed, like configuring it and just making sure, because I'd never shot Canon, like as a full-time thing. I was making sure that I was just investigating every single setting so that it was never going to be the case that, uh, you know, nasty surprise, like shooting an Adobe RGB. That's not a big deal, but <laughs> if you wanted to work with Insight, it would be. Uh, I wanted to make sure that wasn't going to be a problem, so... Uh, it's so important to do those things. And That's a good segue to my, one of my questions because one of the things we, we've noticed about you is like you are a gearhead, obviously, and transition a lot. So I don't, I'd love to know like, the thought process and kind of how easy it is for you to transition into new, new brands, new models, cameras, how that is for you. So it's funny. Uh, I definitely am a gearhead and I, <laughs> I love, love trying out everything and anything and all the new stuff, but I shoot very, very minimalist. I, I bring a couple lenses, one camera body primarily. Uh, I, I bring a second one as a backup, yeah. but unless it's the ceremony, I really don't shoot two cameras at the same time all that often. Uh, and, and I rotate through what I shoot with as my main sort of go-to field kit very, very seldomly. Like, uh, but I try a ton of stuff and I've yeah. tr you know, tried every Sony mirrorless since the A7 launched. And, um, you know, obviously I've been back and forth between Nikon and Canon. So at this stage, I'm very comfortable just floating between two camera settings. The worst thing is, you know, newer camera bodies will have stuff relabeled in the menus. Canon mm -hmm. is the worst at this, by the way. They'll just <laughs> keep the exact same setting, but name it something different without telling you. <laughs> it's like, this is so annoying because it sounds kind of the same, but it's not. You're like, it's in a different area. And anyway, um, aside from that, though, I'm, I'm very comfortable floating between whatever I can because I, I always am curious where the next sort of step change is mm -hmm. going to occur. Is it the um, sensor level where ISO is just notably leaps and bounds better or dynamic range or an autofocus system. That happened with, you know, a lot of people didn't understand why I switched from Nikon to Canon with the mirrorless mm -hmm. system. It's because Nikon's 
first wave of mirrorless cameras had an autofocus system that it's good enough, like to a certain degree. In low light, uh, it sucks in low light. <laughs> it does suck in low light, but to a certain yeah. degree, you don't need as like it's better than a lot of the DSLRs people were used to. So that's good, but it's like no, no, no. You don't understand compared to the baseline of what every other manufacturer is doing. Mm-hmm cameras were nowhere near where they should have been mm-hmm. and uh you know accepting that by the way is is a really tough thing to do sometimes when you sink thousands <laughs> of dollars into a system only to realize yeah. it's behind but nikon caught up like once yeah. they released the z9 and it only took me playing with the z9 on the trade show floor wppi to realize like oh, oh yeah okay nikon there's a step change here they massively overhauled their autofocus and it's perfectly usable as to where it should be not now how's everything else and um uh, Anyway, so I'm just constantly looking for where that uh, those step changes are occurring, and, and I don't. It's not that I don't want to get left behind, but the more you can use a camera system that certain aspects can get out of the way, like accurate, reliable autofocus all the time, no matter what, that frees up so much more headroom so that you can concentrate on the actual interaction of you and your clients and your composition mm-hmm. and reading the all those other things that matter. You don't it's so tough to pay attention to any of that stuff if you're still worried about which eye is in focus or not. Yeah. Anyway. What's your go-to for 2024? (laughs) I'm, I think I'm still going to keep my Canon R3 ring. I have two R3s. (laughs) I think I'm going to stay in the Canon world, but I have been very, very happy with the Nikon ZF. Yeah. And the only reason I'm not going to jump completely over to Nikon is that I'm only using adapted lenses with the ZF. They have a wonderful... Uh, kind of range of adapters you can shoot through and get oh, yeah. awesome results. But until I start acquiring more native Z-mount glasses, uh, uh, like lenses, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with the Canon as sort of my go-to. I, I have a feeling I'll shoot mostly Canon on wedding days and mostly the Nikon ZF on engagement sessions. Uh, yeah, that's what so. we're doing is using the ZF for engagement and weddings now too. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I'm going to bring it as a backup for weddings and, and just yeah. for whenever I feel like a change-up really. It's it's mm-hmm. way better than the Z6 than the Z6 two like autofocus yeah. wise it's just like night and day. Um, yeah. It takes a little to get used to because of the build, but it's a it's a real cool camera to like to to use. And I I kind of like I like I like using it better than my Z8. Believe yeah. it or not, the it, Z8 it, is better in every way. There's but. something to the the look of it. Like I'm not a huge. Uh, I'm not huge into vintage cameras or film cameras, anything like that. But even though I don't use like the cool retro knobs on top, there is something to the, there's just a fun uh, joy in in having this camera that, I don't know, it's sort of operational, but it's just, it's like, um, it's like anything. Like aesthetics can really matter. Like I can't tell you how many microphones I own. It's a lot. And, uh, and half of them I, I own just because they look really cool. They probably objectively sound way worse than other mics that I have. But just because they look cool, I, I play into it while I'm recording very differently. Uh, yeah. Just like literally it can be that type of experience. And I think clients also react to seeing... A camera yep. that has a little bit of style behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. They they react differently and how yep. they are. They're a little less. It, it doesn't feel so maybe clinical or or, or like I don't know. Uh, and some of that's probably just me being in my own head. But <laughs> no, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, some yeah, of some it, of, some it, of it clients uh, confuse it for a film camera. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. no, it's a digital camera. It's and not. then the film camera we have looks like just a looks like a digital camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Yeah, you got to charge extra for that. Like, oh, yeah, if you want, I can break out my film camera. And it's just ZF. <laughs> a different color ZF. It's like the green one. <laughs> the color uh, I did. ZF? I, did you? I, bought oh, the, I bought the moss green uh, ZF. Nice. It's awesome. I, I get a lot of compliments. People that see it, like people that don't even like cameras. That's a cool looking camera. <laughs> and I'd be like, thank it's you. It's so fun just to have yeah. hanging around your yeah. shoulder. It's yeah. great. And it's so light. Like they have the little... Um, lenses that they made for like the 28, 26, uh, 2.8. 20, yep, 26 and, or 28, yep. And they have the 40, uh, 40 millimeter F2. Those lenses, well, you can put them in your pocket. They weigh nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That 40 especially is, is yeah. great. I mean, you it's pretty good. I've, I've used it for weddings. For backlight, when you have like sun behind your subject, it doesn't do that well. But like yeah. prep photos, like anything indoors, like it, it works great. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You guys are gonna make me spend money in twenty four. <laughs> I think Hey Karis needs one. Well, hey Karis uh, has enough cameras. Hey Karis has enough toys. You, you, have, uh, 
<laughs> you, you have two days to spend. Yes, you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Two days. No, I think Some I'm tapped right. out. This, I think this I'm tapped summit out. is costing me all my money. <laughs> the summit's costing me a lot of money. Speaking of summit. This is Another question I had for Sam. Um, when and how was your transition into education? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it kind of, so I don't exactly remember why I started this other than, I, actually, I can say, um, do, do you all know Ryan Brenizer at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So he's one of the first ones whose blog I came across when I was like, I just got hired to shoot my first wedding. What the heck is normal to shoot at a wedding? I don't know. And what I liked about his blog wasn't necessarily his wedding blog post, but his gear reviews and just writing an article. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't the type of review that was overly fixated on like lens distortion or scientific tests. And it wasn't like, just pictures uh, of someone. Ken, like, Ken Rockwell? Ken Rockwell. Yeah, right. Ken Rockwell, though, <laughs> to his credit. Like that is a nice place to go when you need something really like how much did that cost back in 1970 <laughs> <laughs> he has the stats for you that's for sure um but the uh, but ryan's approach to blogging uh about lens equipment lenses and camera bodies and all this i i just loved and so as um a way to just practice that and and drive so a little traffic and just have a reason to post anything to my website at all i started doing lens reviews not because anybody asked me to, but just because. And then over time, I started to review more and more techniques and, and like various mm. processes I would do uh, while shooting. And so those kind of became like mini tutorials in a way, but I would keep it just vague enough, not even on purpose, but just vague enough that it would surface questions. And eventually, uh, I had a friend who actually lived in Santiago, Chile. She was an expat from Michigan. One of the only people in that area uh, that was shooting sort of an Americanized version of, of weddings because their weddings were a lot different normally. Anyway, so she had had a bit of a following uh, there and she just a friend of mine asked me to come teach a workshop uh, because a lot of people had questions about prisming and just like the finer details and specifics of certain techniques that I had already blogged about. And after that first workshop, uh, which I did two days back to back, two separate groups, um, I did another one. And then I had somebody asked me to go somewhere else. So it really all started from just doing these 15-person small group workshops. And then occasionally a conference organizer would have seen a promotion of that or a cross post from a photographer that attended those. And, you know, asked me to shoot a one-hour keynote at their conference. And that was it. I mean, once you kind of have positive feedback doing one thing, it can, as long as you don't completely blow it at some point, it can create a, a positive feedback loop. Of Jen, you hear that? Don't blow it. You worried I'm going to blow it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay to also take risks. And like, I've done many talks where I, I didn't uh, rehearse it ahead of time. And I've done literally at least two or three, even really, really big ones where I threw out my entire talk, like as I was going up on stage, I was like, you know what, you're all sitting here. Let's, let's keep this real and just edit a wedding together. And then my entire talk would be just editing a wedding and talking through stuff that I was like, literally the wedding I needed to deliver. You guys have time, right? <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is there are so many things you pick up on when you sit down and watch the tedious process of what mm -hmm. is actually required of doing this work yeah. that nobody would optionally choose to watch as like an hour long YouTube video. That would suck. You'd be, you'd be yeah. like, oh my God, this is painful to get through. But it's just different when you're in front of people and you're experiencing it together. And it's different when they know it's a genuine off the cuff, like, let's just figure this out together. Uh, I've always gotten good feedback from doing stuff like that, but it's, it's also a bit of a risk. <laughs> wanna, like, do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, the problem usually comes when you when you improvise like that with with time, and you want to always be respectful of time. And if you don't have a good sense of when you need to start the wrap up phase of whatever talk you're doing, that's scary. When you start to just kind of ramble and it's ten or fifteen minutes over what you should have been, then it's like nobody's having fun anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I've seen that happen before. Uh, Many so conferences. Be careful with the timing. 
Yeah. Jen, yeah. do you know, I have a really tight, tight 43 minutes. It's on the dot. Oh, you know how many times me, I've rehearsed? Overtime. That's do you know, do you know how many times I've rehearsed my talk for, uh, 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 for, for my talk? <laughs> More times than I can count, but I've timed it and uh, it's a tight 43 minutes. We're good. Do you even but know how long your talk without, is? That's without somebody interrupting you though. No one's going to interrupt because I'm not going to oh, talk about destination people weddings. Interrupt. People will raise their hand. <laughs> oh. People will raise their hand and, oh, can you explain this? And Is it an intimate enough space that you need a microphone or not? Like maybe Everyone's getting, a, a, mic, um, everyone's getting a wireless mic. People. So, uh, I, yeah. I mean, we, oh, we have, the audience members, like, are they going to be able to yell things? <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Probably, maybe. Um, okay. Yeah, right. I'm I'm anticipating about a hundred people or so. Nice. It should be it should be That's intimate good. enough. But you know what I'm doing? I'm I'm trying to stuff everyone's faces with danishes and muffins so they can't ask questions and they can't talk. <laughs> you know, so that's I my, guess that's my workshop. Uh, my full day workshop, I always get Chipotle catered in the middle of it. <laughs> and that's right before I get good to idea. the really good stuff. <laughs> it's too too sleepy to remember whatever I talk about after live shows. <laughs> uh, ben attended a workshop a long time ago. And uh, the person who hosted the workshop ordered pizza and then charged everybody three bucks for the pizza. <laughs> what? Wow. He's like, hey, you guys want to go out for lunch? I was like, yeah, let's go out for lunch. And he ordered, you know, like two pies, two or three pies or something like that. And he asked everyone to chip in three bucks. I was like, are you kidding me? Because the workshop That's was so like weird. 700, 800 a person. So my wife and I, we both went. It was like 1,500 bucks for the both of us. Each class had about 30 people, right? That's so, so weird. Yeah. He made everyone pay three bucks for the, for the pizza. Very big name, too. Very big name in the industry. I was very surprised. Like, Huge yeah. name. You know, it's it's... It's tough uh, because so often the, the people like hosting a workshop like that, it, it is a small business. It's like one person, maybe two. And and so there's always this uh, apprehension, mm -hmm. I think, of unless it's a terrible experience of um, uh, like publicly saying Later. critical feedback of, of things like that. But yeah. I would want to know if uh, <laughs> the entire decision sort of informs a lot of how that person probably runs their business for better or for worse. Maybe that's what it takes to be successful in the way that they shoot. I don't know, but I would want to know that as feedback, uh, as, as sort of like three dollars. <laughs> that, that's why well, everyone maybe. who's coming to the summit, they're getting coffee, they're getting tea. They, I, I got decaf, danishes, muffins, and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, water, water. everyone's getting water. Right. Uh, I, I asked Karis, I was like, should I give snacks too? I was like, do you want people like just opening wrappers for a good five hours? Like, just people okay, opening chocolate wrappers. <laughs> yeah. That's going to drive Ben crazy. So I was like, there's, we'll just do them like. Um, stores in the lobby. There's a coffee shop. There's a well, I don't want to be that guy who says, oh my God, I paid this much to come to the summit no, and then they didn't get me I'm, coffee. You know, I'm, like, I'm just saying, like, if everyone needs to go eat, they don't have to go that far either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for lunch, true. definitely. But in the morning, we'll have, oh, like, coffees and stuff. So mm -hmm. so come early. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come early, get some food. Um, but, uh, Sam, have you attended any workshops as a as an attendee and not as an educator? And maybe is there some things that yeah. you were able to take away from that that you've brought into your business? Yep. Uh, Ryan Brenizer's workshop uh, way back <laughs> in the day. And, and one of the things that uh, it got me so excited about doing my own series of workshops was the experience at his not and not even because although i did learn a lot of very valuable things it was the relationship building that that enabled mm -hmm. i am still to this day friends with uh three or four people that i uh, met in person at his workshop that i never otherwise would have and one of the most important uh online groups that I was a part of. It's called SWPB. It was a Flickr discussion group um, stood for starting a wedding photography business. And I attended uh, Ryan's workshop, I think just through um, his blog post and, and announcing it there and met all these people who were like, oh, you're not a, you're not a part of SWPB. That's how we all know each other. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was able to join that group and uh, 50 times uh, the number of relationships of awesome photographers all over the world that I was able to make through that connection. So it's the, and, and what's tricky about that kind of experience as being valuable for workshop, that's really hard to say in a description of the workshop, like you're going to build relationships that could change your life or last forever. Like that's so cheesy to actually say it loud, <laughs> but it is kind of the truth. And it's also an unknown variable, like some workshops that might be the case. And I've seen it in other workshops, like everybody 
gets along, but nobody's like making best friends. Um, but that is yep. a huge part of why it's so great and to to do things in person compared to you know just being stuck in our online uh, bubbles. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad that you said this because you know my wife and I we for the first six years of our business we just kept our heads down and worked and worked and worked. Uh, we, we pretty much stayed in our own bubble. We didn't really have a network of friends and colleagues where we could get CC on our, our work. We didn't know we sucked. <laughs> we didn't know if we were any good. We were just trying to keep our head above water, put a roof over our head and, you know, just maintain this business. And I think um, that all changed in uh, 2015, 2016, when I met, when we met Jen and Ro uh, at WPPI. And ever since then, you know, like, We've been growing our network, and uh, it, I, I have to say, you know, it's, it's been a complete game changer in our business. You know, it's, uh, sometimes it's not about what you know or even who you know. It's like who knows you as well. Uh, that can open a lot of doors, a lot of opportunities for you. But again, like you said, it, it does sound a little cheesy, but uh, the power that you get from these conferences isn't always what you get in the classroom. It's happening in the cafes around the corner. From where their classes yep. are taking taking place, you know, it's it happening like in the a lot of conferences and workshops I've been to. It's like the the educational part is just the excuse to get together, and it's a shame <laughs> that we can't all just like spend money to all get together and hang out. Uh, yeah. you, you have to in your brain like justify it somehow <laughs> as well yeah. learn something while you're at it but that I mean, is like, kind of how i see them sometimes yeah i mean like yeah. the only i mean the reason why you're here is because you know you made me a grilled cheese sandwich uh about a year ago <laughs> <laughs> was that just last year wow yeah wow. i was like sam hurts making grilled cheese sandwiches for everyone <laughs> count me in <laughs> yeah that was fun yeah, it was fun. Are you are you okay, are you coming okay. to any of those conferences uh, next year? Yeah, I think I'll be at both Imaging and WPPI. I haven't booked flights or anything yet, but I hope to. Yeah, they're definitely fun. And then um, just ramping back up my own personal workshops, but still figuring out logistics and dates for all of those. Um, mm. I'm still getting wedding inquiries for the spring. It's crazy. I just yeah. booked a, a April wedding. It's like whoa. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just got an inquiry for another April wedding as well. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. People are taking their sweet time. Mm -hmm. That's been the thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. another great segue to my other question for you. Every year, I don't, I don't know if you did it last year, um, your state of the industry. Are you still working yeah. on the current one? Uh, yep, yep. I, I collected all the data and then launched Insight. <laughs> it's like, I don't have time for this. So the data's sitting there. I, Where do you find the time, gonna, Sam? Where do you find the time? Yeah. Well, and I took ownership of uh, my entirely new website that I worked like six months with my web guy to design. And uh, I got that in June. And that, that I need to launch my entire, oh, my totally new website, which wow. I really want to do in January. But uh, I want to launch it with my... Like, Best of 2023 post. It'd be yeah. great if I could launch the new site with that. So the state of the industry is going to, the report is going to come out. Uh, it'll probably be <laughs> in January or something like that. As long as it's a month or two before like people start actually getting busy with, with wedding season mm -hmm. again is, is probably fine. But um, what's amazing is this year, and the, the main reason I decided, I did skip a year. I've got data from every year, but I didn't release it last year because I was just too busy. And I, it's hard for me to analyze the data because yeah. I'm not a professional at doing that. But now, uh, using tools like AI and ChatGPT and all that, it's so much easier to tease out <laughs> interesting insights and stuff. Um, so that's the, the primary reason I decided to, to bring it back was that I can just lean on ChatGPT to do that tedious, like, what am I really seeing that's interesting here? Work, uh, yeah. which I did not enjoy from the last ones. And yeah. like interesting trends that you noticed that you can tease us about? Oh gosh! Yes, I don't know what they are because I teased them like months ago, and now I'm like, oh god! What did well, I, you, you have to be on a Patreon, Patreon to get that info. You got to be on a Patreon to get that info, guys. Somewhere on my Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember uh, some of the, uh, and it, this is probably going to be obvious, but at least it reinforces the uh, the blurry photo trend. People seem mm. to be over, and the direct flash trend as well. I think mm. it kind of. I was just getting started on that their, trend. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's okay. You'll be so late that it's cool again. <laughs> You'll bring it back. That's uh, seems to be on brand for me. You know, I'm yes. posting all those they things on my Facebook page. 
So people are getting yeah, over it. Is, it is cool. Like, what's, what's funny about the state of the industry report is uh, I've actually seen a lot of other places like start to do that now. I think some a few companies and like websites realized how valuable that can be. But uh, if there's a, a brand behind the thing, I immediately don't trust it because I'm like, okay, if uh, <laughs> you know, a sh- pick time is like gathering all this data, like how honest are are they going to surface any like critique or trends when it comes to gallery hosts or like competitors <laughs> in their space? Probably not. And, yeah. and I'm guessing a lot of those people would lie by omission, if nothing else. And uh, yeah. I, right. I do yep. think it's it's nice that it's, I have no vested interest in any of the results. I just want to see what um, the, the obvious overall trends are and, uh, you know, present that uh, totally impartially to, to people. Uh, to patrons first because they invest in me to everybody ultimately. Just, what a nice uh, thing. There's, there's yeah. no... Yeah. <laughs> awesome. yep, yep, yep. Are, are, are we going to talk about creating uh, AI art and selling prints? No, don't. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what, we if can. you've met my husband, he likes to throw logs into a fire. <laughs> Same here. More I like more that. like uh, cans of gasoline, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Constantly. <laughs> we don't have to touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> Generative AI is going to change a lot. And I, I do, I am particularly annoyed and to some degree just pissed off at certain photographers specifically that have uh, really embraced generative AI in a way that they, uh, I think it's it's an exciting, interesting space to be able to type something in and get like a really compelling, realistic photo of the idea that you had is it's, it's an amazing technology. But as a photographer, when you take the approach to, to pivot toward posting uh, majority, even partially, but certainly a hundred percent rendered AI imagery, and you don't make it painfully, painfully clear what it took to make that thing. Uh, people will read into your, uh, you know, the baseline assumption that you're a photographer, that some component of this thing is is real or is a composite maybe, or it maybe it is just a real photo. You could even explicitly say in a hashtag or something like mid-journey or a dolly or even the word AI, and people still uh, will, will assume some component of this is uh a photograph, if that is what you are known for historically. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, photographers really shouldn't go anywhere near that kind of stuff uh, in terms of letting it represent your work uh, yeah. in any way, shape, or form, unless uh, you're maybe willing to like have a tutorial or make it very clear that like all this took was text <laughs> or it took a link to a photo that I took plus some text. It's just a totally different thing. And so many people, as, as well-known... Uh, as much as all of us and people listening might know now what it takes to generate something in AI, the average person still does not. And certainly people that are 10, 20 plus years older than us, they have no idea. They still think in this old paradigm where, you know, they're looking at an image, like some work must have been done to put these pixels where they are, you know, the entirety of the internet training data for something. It's not Mm -hmm. actually... Uh, the photographer. Anyway, so there's a lot we could say about it, but yeah, no, this is not, you're just kind of riding on the coattails of people thinking there's some legitimate photograph Photograph. Um, somehow being used in this process, and there almost never is. But what if they use AI in Photoshop to remove things? I mean, that's still kosher? Yeah, It's a tough thing. I I, I think it's generally fine because, like, removing things out of a photo, like, the core like the most of the pixels that you're looking at are still like from a real life photo. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's always been kind of sketchy where I, I often confuse and get a lot of pushback from people when I'll describe something they've done in a photo as like, no, this is more like digital illustration. And it's not because they're literally illustrating, but they're, they're like dodging and burning the light in a way that actually it is more like they're illustrating than they are mm-hmm. taking a photo or they'll, they'll add motion blur selectively to shots to, to original source photos. But like, most of the image is now motion blur that was kind of drawn in using a tablet mm-hmm. or their mouse in a way that it, it's kind of like you're you're more illustrating than anything else. So like anything, if there's a balance and there's a certain point where it's gone too far and mm-hmm. there's another point where it, the, the intention and the it's not so detached from the original source photo that it's a problem. Um, but it's, it, I don't know, it's just tough. And in a big way, I think we're going to have to start flagging ourselves as being 
I don't know what the term should be, but real photographer. Just the way that film photographers, they didn't used to have to call themselves film photographers. Mm-hmm. They were just a photographer. And every the baseline uh, under uh, underlying assumption was yeah. they shot film because that, that existed. Yeah. And over time, as things became digitized, like they had to label themselves film photographer. Now everybody understands and kind of appreciates that to, for what it is. I think we're going to have to have something uh, similar for photographers that are mostly showing actual photographs yeah. uh, which is going to be weird but it, uh, it, it, yeah <laughs> and there's very people weird that just lie. yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a weird time right now but yeah uh, that's mm-hmm. why i tried to do with insight was was bridge the gap and leverage these really cool powerful tools in a way that still feels good like i still have to recognize what i think is cool in the render and still make the photo and direct my couples into it or position myself into actually making the photo yeah. based off of this inspiration. I'll tell you right now, it blows my mind that some photographers that I know that have like an entire AI series didn't just use that as inspiration to go make actual photos in that style. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me that they just stopped with the AI render and here it is, you can buy it as a print. Like they many people that's all they do here it is you can buy it as a print they should have gone out taken that and and recreated it in mm-hmm. as, as, as an inspiration uh, for an actual photo because they know how to take that photo <laughs> yeah right i mean like i use i use chat gpt i mean i'll be uh completely transparent i use chat gpt to come up with ideas but the content is still mine you know what i mean i still have to to write yeah. it um because you know sometimes coming up with ideas sometimes we we get into a, a writer's block or an artist block uh you know, we just, I don't know, we just uh, blank out. And it's its awesome that we have these tools at our disposal now to kind of help us get inspired a little bit, right? But at the end of the day, you still you still got to do the work. You know what I mean? So, And there's people who will do majority of their work through AI. And I think the layperson now is starting to get an idea of like, can kind of see what's kind of sketchy and what's not. So I think the, the more it's more becoming more popular, people are becoming a little people bit more knowledgeable people can, about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, people can see. Uh, I, I think it's getting harder to tell though. I, I've seen some images, like usually the hands or the the ears are dead giveaway. Have you I've seen, seen the them. photos from version six? From That's what I'm saying. Like I've, it, it, I mean, I can, I can still tell, but it's getting harder. It's getting harder to, to uh, besides like the, the skin smoothing. Skin, yeah. yep. It's it's mainly the skin, super smooth skin. Yep. So it's, anyway, uh, so Sam is going to be uh, one of our esteemed guests who'll be joining us on the stage at the Focus Day of Summit on January 11th. So Sam, what will you be sharing with us, with the audience, with the attendees on uh, on the stage? Hard to say. <laughs> please don't please don't edit please don't edit for 45 edit minutes. <laughs> Is he's gonna do his. Uh, he's gonna do a, a demonstration for uh, his, his new app for forty five minutes. Ben's <laughs> sleeping for two weeks. Sam, we can't joke anymore. Uh, no, I think I think I'll. I probably will talk about AI um, and and some about insight because that's the, the thing I'm most involved with and and uh, spent so much time working on. But uh, I just I really uh, want to talk about it, not as like a, hey self promotional thing, but as a an example of how uh, even if you are uncomfortable with uh, the new AI tools as they exist, it's so important to. Um, at least familiarize yourself with them and where they're at on a regular basis because you might it might become obvious to you at some point later on where you can bridge the gap in a way that um, it is now useful or in your own head you can like ethically and morally feel good about uh, the way that this is used. Uh, maybe even something like insight is still weirdly uncomfortable for you, but for me, uh, I've come full circle and, and realized its value in a way that I, I love. But if nothing else, I just wanted to sort of demonstrate like how... Uh, these tools, they're going to keep evolving and existing no matter what you decide. So yep. at least being aware of, of what's out there and, um, uh, you know, I think serve to benefit everybody at some point. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to clutch too hard to the way photography exists now, or, uh, you might go through that painful decade or two of, uh, film, like film photographers did where like, they were not making any money anymore. <laughs> and now they've kind of come back. I know a lot of film photographers like have it as a very expensive add-on for their wedding packages and whatnot. But it was it took a while to kind of come back yeah. to that, I think. Uh, so that's yeah, where I'm at right now. We'll see though. We'll see what, what that's, happens. That's what Another thing I, I like to do is listen to other speakers at, at conferences, not always, but sometimes. And when I pick up on a, a pattern or a theme that's too repetitive, I'll tend to 
pivot on the fly just so that uh, people aren't saying too much of the same thing, uh, which is totally possible with AI now because it yeah. is such a you know, mainstream topic. But I think you might be the only person cool. talking about AI. All right. Mm -hmm. well, I'll take it. Yep. I think <laughs> yep. so. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, where yeah. do you want to go from here? No, I think we're good. D there's no uh, wedding tea? No? There's no, there's no tea? No. Oh, you know what, Sam? I, I would love to know if Sam has any yeah. wedding tea, like any yeah. kind of crazy, crazy wedding stories. Crazy wedding stories, yep. Do you have a oh. crazy wedding story? <laughs> oh, man. It's, the problem <laughs> is I've shot like 500 plus weddings. And so <laughs> I really let the craziness enter and exit my brain immediately. <laughs> uh, unless Smart. it's documented as a photo. I mean, I've just seen countless people like, wheeled out in ambulances from drinking too much and uh you know wow. strip naked down the street from drinking too much and a lot of it's from just drinking too much but honestly when it comes down to like my core client there's a one year not that far away actually that two weekends in a row i had somebody collapse during the ceremony and a paramedic had to come wheel them out one week oh, that shit. happened very next weekend that happened again. It's like, what is happening? It wasn't even that hot. Were they, were they drunk or like it was me? No. <laughs> was it a summer? Was it a summer? Was it a they summer just, wedding? Like collapsed. Was it a summer yeah, outdoor but it wedding? Wasn't like it wasn't hot. It wasn't like warm or anything that I would have thought would cause somebody to collapse. So I've seen all kinds of stuff like that. It's usually medical emergencies or too much alcohol. <laughs> uh, thankfully, nothing, nothing, nothing scandalous though. Nothing scandalous. Nothing so. scandalous. My clients have always been just it's usually to do with somebody else's also not not directly my clients in any way yeah they're, they're always just the best people so great for always like, i don't know how to act when you're causing a scene yeah doing crazy things yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah thanks so sam where can people find you uh i'll leave those links in the um in the show notes and stuff but where where can our audience members find yeah. you where do you want them to find you everything's kind of centralized on instagram so instagram.com slash i am the sam and then my website of course sam heard photography and I have a Patreon that I'm very active on, patreon.com slash Sam Hurd. So uh -huh. those are the primary vectors um, all over the place and other ways and places, but don't worry about it. Yeah, just Google his name, guys. Just Google his name. <laughs> it's seven cool. letters long. Uh, just You're also going to come across him. an NFL player who was convicted for drug Oh, that's trafficking. right, yeah. <laughs> 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 have you guys ever Googled uh, like, yourself? There's a, there's a knitting magician, Ben Lau. There's a knitting magician. A like, knitting magician. What's a knitting yes. magician? What the heck is knitting he magician? He knits. He's a part of a knitting uh, group, and he has his profile photos, him holding up cards and stuff. Like, you know, it's really wow. corny. Yeah. That's not <laughs> me, guys. It's not me. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> just so, you're, just so you're we make your that SEO. clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for hopping on with us today. We can't wait to hear what you have um have in store for us at the summit. Can't wait to see you in Thank a few weeks. Thank you for listening to my ranting and rambles. <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll clean it up in post. Uh, <laughs> nice. We'll clean it up in post. Can we, hey, uh, Dirty, can we clean it up in post? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from him. We'll hear from him in about a week. No, so. it was great. Thank you yeah, so much. We learned a lot. We always like, you know, see you on Instagram and stuff, but never really knew like your history and kind of where your journey's been. So, so that was good. Well, Sam, thank you so much. We're so happy to have you on board. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see you in a few weeks. Focused AF is a fun business focused podcast for wedding creatives. Co-hosted by award-winning husband and wife wedding photography teams, Ben and Karis. And Jen and Roe, where we help fellow wedding creatives with their sales and marketing. With laid back conversations and real talk with some of our most favorite people in the universe. And with that being said, are you focused AF? I am focused AF today. We are Focused AF. I think I might be Focused AF. <laughs> Welcome to the Focused AF podcast.